Thanks, guys. Sorry to get you up like that. Well done. It'll be worth it if you get healed. Uh, so we rejoice with people rejoicing. We see healings. We see God at work. We rejoice. We also mourn with those who are suffering and things going on in our church family, but also in our community where it's bad. And it's really sad. You probably won't know this, but this week, um, a mum from our local school, our girls' school, Myatt Garden, was murdered this week on Tuesday night and it kind of came out the rest of the week. And of course, the school's just gradually starting to get to know and people in the community. And it's just at Tanner's Hill, just down the road from here. And she was she was brutally stabbed and there was lots of obviously police activity but this is a number there's been a number of things going on down in that area um you might remember we've prayed of uh, about a few things incidents in the past there so just as the church the local community here the people of god in this area we just love to now just pray together for the family for the poor child who I think witnessed it and was at, uh, went, had to go back to school and the police had to see the, see the child after, but also the community there. I'm just going to get Anne up, if you don't mind, because Anne's been doing a lot of prayer walking down at Tanner's Hill. And so when she does the next one, we'd love others to go. But Anne's just going to lead us in prayer before we continue on. Could we stand up together and just really stand for our community? Jesus, we want to lift up to you. this child and the family who's left. And we just ask, Father, that you, God of all comfort, would come and comfort. We pray for um, those whose children go to Myatt Garden who are from St. Peter's, and I ask that you would give them wisdom and gifts from you to be able to give comfort to this little one and the rest of the family who's left behind. And Father, we, as your body here, we want to stand now and say this kind of violence toward women will not happen on our watch. It will not happen in our community because we are here and because we are committed to being so full of you that we bring heaven to this part of the earth. And we say no more, no more to this kind of violence against women and we say no more to violence against young men. And we pray in Jesus' name that as our hearts are stirred up and as your spirit works through us miraculously and practically, that we would see transformation on Tanner's Hill and we would see that community come to be a place that's famous for light and community and love and connection instead of violence. And Father, we just say, would you send us, we know that we're here for this purpose, would you send us, would you teach us what we're meant to do, and would you give us practical and spiritual ways of reaching out to this uh, community that's just on our doorstep. And Father, we want to ask that your kingdom would come in Jesus' name. And thank you, grab a seat. Let's keep praying throughout the week. We've got an opportunity to get involved in a school down there, actually, and Joel and a number of different people at, at church are going to get involved, so do be praying for them as well. Sarah Salome is going to come give us our reading, and then Andrew is going to come up and speak. Thanks, Sarah. Good morning. Um, 
This morning the reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. If you feel kind-minded, um, just uh, turn to your neighbor. And if you can, just give them a quick hug if you can, if they don't mind it. Um, if you know them, if you don't, if, and it feels a bit awkward, then don't. It's fine. It's fine. Um, you know, just, just give them a good hug. It, there's nothing like a hug sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like me a good hug. Um, I really do. Um, in case you were not here, I do not have time, unfortunately, to reiterate um, the introduction to, um, to this new series that we're starting um, today. Um, but last week, I talked about and I made the case about how Jesus' primary message um, was actually the kingdom of God. It was not to establish a religion. It was not to establish a following, but was actually to establish the kingdom of God. And the reason I had to do that was because we're starting a probably four or five-part series on the parables. And the reason why this is important, because most, if not all the parables start with the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And so if you do not understand that Jesus' primary message was the kingdom, it won't make sense to you. Um, and I made this point based on um, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10. And it says this, it says, then the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, this is what Jesus replied. He said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The knowledge of the secrets. So within the parables are secrets. Secrets. You see, I'm one of those guys. I love mysteries. I love secrets. And I love secrets that God has because they'll usually blow your mind, right? So I look at the parable as a treasure chest of secrets. And so that's what we want to do in this series is basically explore the secrets to experiencing heaven on earth. Because that's really what the kingdom of God is. It's heaven kissing earth. Heaven coming to earth. And that's what we're going to be doing in this parable. Um, and in the parables we're going to be learning about. And this morning, um, we start off with one of my... Well, this is going to be difficult. I'm going to say every parable is like one of my favorite parables. So I'm not going to say that. But we start off with a parable, right? And, and, and I'm going to focus today on the parable of the treasure. This man who is in a field and finds a treasure. Finds a treasure. Then after finding the treasure, goes, sells everything he has. And buys the field. What does he buy? The field. Not the treasure, the what? Because within the field is the treasure. And the first point I want to say to everyone here, actually before I even say that, 
I want to let you know a bit about why Jesus spoke in parables. You see, we're very used to, in our modern day and Western society, to a Greek way of learning and understanding. And sometimes it doesn't really help us when we consider um, the Bible because the Bible is, is a Jewish book. Jesus was a Jew. And the Jewish people, unlike the Greeks, um, the Greek having a linear way of learning and it's about knowledge and understanding, the Greeks don't, no, sorry, the Jews don't necessarily learn like that. For the Jews, learning was about experience. You hadn't truly learned something until you had experienced it. And so when uh, we read in the Bible that God loves you, we take that in a Greek understanding, or, or understanding. We think, oh, I understand God loves me. But that's not how a Jew would understand it. I need to experience the love of God to know that truth. Yeah? And so one of the first things they would do in your, in your first lesson ever in, in, in school, when you were a little boy or a little girl in the Jewish custom, is that the rabbi would take a little plate in which you're going to scribe all your little notes, and he would put honey on that, pla or on, the, on, that, on that tablet. And he would, the first lesson he would probably ask you to do is, everybody take that honey and lick it. And they would lick that honey. And then he would say this, may the word of God which you are to learn be as sweet as that honey. Why? Because the importance was the experience. And so Jesus teaches in parables because he wanted the people to experience the truth. Not just to hear it or understand it, but to relate it to experiences in life. Are you with me? And so, here, the first thing I need to say is this. There is a treasure. There is a treasure. And I want to say something shocking, which I hope will be shocking. And if it's not shocking, I want, to keep, I want you to keep saying it in your mind until it becomes shocking. Which is this. If you're not willing to sell all you have for the kingdom, then what you have experienced is not the kingdom. Can I say that one more time? If you're not willing to sell all you have for the kingdom, then I'm sorry to say what you've experienced is not the kingdom. Call it whatever you wanna call it, but that's not the kingdom. Because I'm here to tell you this Sunday, when you experience the kingdom, you'll sell all you have. I'm going to say it in a different way. If you truly experience the kingdom, then you will sell all you have. And guess what? You'll do it in joy. It's like a man who found a treasure and sold all he has in joy to buy the field. Not for sacrificial sake. So he didn't find this treasure and say, oh man, I'm going to have to make a huge sacrifice and I'm going to have to sell everything. He was like, I'm, I'm going to sell everything. I want to buy this field because man, have you seen that treasure? And I submit to you that there is a treasure. And all those in the kingdom of God who truly are in the kingdom of God have seen this treasure. So can you do me a quick favor? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, have you seen the treasure? Hmm. The, the next point I want to make here is this. The treasure and the field are not the same thing. 
The treasure and the field are not the same thing. So a good question to ask is, what could the field be? And what is the treasure? What is the field? Because I submit to you a certain possibility. Because the, the Bible teaches that this man somehow is in a field and he sees this treasure. So this, he's in a field that doesn't belong to him. Right? When he sees the treasure, then he sells everything to buy the field. I submit to you, there's some who are just walking in the field. But I've not yet seen the treasure. And I submit to you even something even more crazier, and even something a little bit more sad to consider. There's some who have bought the field, but never saw the treasure. But there are those, I hope no one's getting lost, right? But there are those who have seen the treasure and therefore buy the field. So what could the field be? I submit to you that from other readings of other parables and even other verses in Scripture, I submit to you that could the field be mere Christianity? The traditions, the paraphernalia, the symbolism, the actions and doings of the Christian faith, coming to church every Sunday, reading your Bible, that is the field. That is the field. And you see, the reality is there are people sitting in this seat, right, in, in, in church right now, and we're all here in the field. Some of you are simply exploring. There's some of you who are here because you saw the treasure and you've bought Christianity. You sold all you have and everybody sees you and they're like, you go to church every Sunday. Why, are you, why did you buy that field? They see you praying, reading your Bible, you know, showing up to Holy Spirit. They, why did you buy that field? All they see is the field. But you see the treasure in the field. I submit to you that there's some people who come to church every single Sunday, they're doing the doings of the field work. Planting the seeds, watering them, but they've never seen the treasure. And so when I ask you, have you seen the treasure? It's a profound question. Because you could be in the field, but you haven't seen the treasure. And what distinguishes the two is those who've truly found the treasure have this step that represents joy. They will gladly give up stuff. They will gladly sacrifice. They will gladly do all these things. And they do it with a smile. They know something I don't know if you haven't found the treasure. Because they didn't just buy the field. They bought the field because of the treasure. They're doing Christianity not for Christianity's sake. They're doing Christianity and doing the kingdom because they actually see the treasure. Is everybody with me? A quick, I'll give you another quick analogy that might be a bit of modern day. Imagine... Um, you see me on, on, um, 
I, I show up at your door, I knock on your door. And, um, and I say, I'm officially here from uh, the National Lottery. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and I'm here to tell you that um, I've got a ticket here that is worth, um, is for the winnings of, a, of, of, I don't know, 12, 13 million. Right? And in order to receive this ticket, all you have to do is sell all your belongings. Would you do it? Would you do it? You'd sell all you have, right? And would you do it in joy? Because <laughs> I got 13 million. But have you got 13 million? What do you have? What would you be left with? You'd be standing on your doorstep having sold everything, all your possessions, all your clothes, everything in the house. Hopefully not your kids and family. Hopefully they will be with you on your doorstep, right? No one's going to sell those, right? And you'd have all of those, right? And what would you have in your hand? What would you have in your hand? Would you have 17 million pounds? Would you have the money? What would you have? You'd have a ticket. Not the money. You still have to claim the ticket, right? In other words, the field is not the point. It's the treasure in the field. The ticket is not the point. It's the treasure it gives you access to. And I'm here to submit to you, coming to church, reading your Bible, praying every day, doing all these Christian things is not the point. It's the treasure that is the point. And so the question becomes then, what is the treasure? Well, to, to truly understand what the treasure is, you need, we need to understand what potentially the king, a kingdom is. And I could, I, can, I could spend a lot of time here talking a lot, but I'm going to make it very simple and summarize it like this. A kingdom is simply a king and his domain. That's all a kingdom is. A king and his domain. Or a queen and their domain. Are you with me? That's all a kingdom is. A king and their domain. And once you understand this and once you study kingdoms of past, you start to realize that everything in a kingdom hinges on the king. The wealth of the kingdom is because of the king. The beauty in the kingdom is usually because of the king. And that's why some people would rejoice when certain kings or queens died in the Old Testament. And, and, uh, or mourn when certain kings or queens died. Because it meant that's an end of an era and we don't know how the next king or queen is going to rule. Because that's going to determine our prosperity, our health, our wealth. So a king and his domain. Now, when you understand that, you understand this. And please listen to me carefully. The treasure of every kingdom is actually its king. The treasure of the kingdom is Jesus. <laughs> and I'm here to submit to you. When you see Jesus... You will sell all you have. And if you don't, then I submit to you what you saw was not Jesus. Because everyone who sees him, they're undone. Everything else loses value. He is the treasure of the kingdom. And what is his domain? He is the treasure. Remember, king and their domain is what a kingdom is, right? What is his domain? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy 
It doesn't stop there. In the Holy Spirit. So you see, when we talk about Holy Spirit Day and all this stuff, and we keep talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the reason we're talking about the Holy Spirit is because you cannot truly experience the kingdom unless you're in the Holy Spirit. I don't know, um, everybody's drunk right now on the concept of the metaverse. Facebook changes its name from uh, Facebook to meta. They've got these, you know, goggles where you can enter the metaverse and you put them on, you know, virtual reality, right? Um, I, what I'm more interested in is, um, is the concept of augmented reality. I'm interested because I'm well, sort of a fanboy of Apple. Well, we could debate about well, since Steve died and passed on. How, 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 but anyway, well, yeah, let's stay on track, right? Um, and I'm, I'm interested because Apple's about to release something called, well, we don't know what they're going to be called, but Apple glasses. Everyone's talking about these Apple glasses that are about to be released. And what these Apple glasses potentially will allow you to do is to have what you call augmented reality. And that is being present right here, but being able to put on glasses and seeing a different reality. Are you with me? So, for example, you could put on these glasses and you could see somebody standing next to me, Right? Even you're seeing myself and that person, or you can see objects floating within the area. Augmented reality. What I'm here and submitting to you is, is that if you're a believer, like I said last week, the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of God is coming, and the kingdom of God will come. It's both a past, present, and future reality for all believers. Are you with me? And when you enter the kingdom, it's like augmented reality. It's like you're still here on earth, but there's another reality you're seeing. There's another reality. So everyone, when, when, when you're not in the kingdom, you walk in here and you see people lifting up their hands, singing to nice music. Oh, it's, all right. it's okay, the music is fine. But you enter the kingdom and it's like, oh my gosh, God's presence is here. It's like you're in another reality. It's another world. And people don't get it because they don't have the goggles on. They're not in the kingdom. And so Jesus... They come to Jesus and they say, um, send these people away because there's not enough food for them to feed them. There's like 15,000 people in the crowd. And Jesus says, you feed them. What do you mean you feed them? And says, all we've got is this little boy's lunch of, of fish and loaves. What do you mean? Jesus steps into the kingdom, puts on his goggles. He doesn't see two fish and whatever loaves they are. What he sees is a meal that can feed 15,000. Say, so sit them down. I can see something else in this reality. He goes to another place and they tell him, the girl you were going to pray for has died. And he puts on his goggles and says, she hasn't died. She's only sleeping. And tells her, get up. And she gets up. And I'm here to submit to you. You wake up every morning and maybe you do. And you look in the mirror and maybe what you see is depression and anxiety. And maybe what you see is discouragement. And God is saying, put on your glasses. Because that's not what I see. I see joy. I see peace. I see capability. I see dreams coming true. There is another reality. We hear all this news, the, the sad news about what's happening in our, in our area, the stabbings, the killings. And God says, this is what people see when they see broccoli in our area. Put on your glasses. What do you see in the kingdom? We see hope. We see joy. We see a future. We see a reality where our young kids are not killing one another. And that reality is just as real. In fact, it is more real than this reality. And Jesus' role was to bring that reality here, and he leaves us with the same task. Bring what you see in that augmented reality and allow it to become reality here. Have you seen the treasure? So I want to finish off with this. 
because I think it's always good to give you examples of people in Scripture who've gone through this experience. And just to show you that this parable is played out in the Bible. And there's a man named Paul in the Bible who plays out this reality. I won't tell you Paul's story, but I'm just going to read you what he wrote. Right? Philippians chapter 3 and verses 4. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 4. I'm going to read to verse 8. And Paul is talking about here, the context is, he's saying, listen, if there's anybody who has reason to have confidence in their ability, it's me. This is what Paul is saying. And so he starts in verses 4 and he says, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, in other words, in their own ability, I have more. Verses 5. He starts to give his credentials. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Now keep in mind, Paul is writing inspired scripture. He cannot lie. He's telling the truth. So he's giving his credentials from a Jewish perspective, and he says from a Jewish perspective, I was a don. I had every reason to glow. He's saying, when it came to, I was a Pharisee. Kind of lost in translation. Pharisees were considered the modern day's leaders of that day. He was saying, I was part of the houses of parliament. I'm the one who came up with the laws. When it came to the, the law, the Judaic law, I was faultless. When it came to my zeal, I had such zeal for the law and such zeal for my religion, I even persecuted Christians. I had every reason to boast. I had it good. Paul was talking about the dream that most of us would have in this room. I want a career that does this. I want to achieve this. I want to have wealth. I want to have power. Paul was saying, I had it. If there's anyone who could boast, it was me. Verse 7. But whatever gains to me I now consider Loss. Why, Paul? Because I sold a treasure. <laughs> For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake? For whose sake? For Jesus' sake. I have lost all things. I have lost what? Remember the guy who sold everything? The parable? This is Paul. Yeah. For the sake of the treasure that is Jesus, I have lost everything. I gave it up. Why? Because, Paul, you're such a wonder. Are you sacrificing to the great king of the universe? No, no. It was worth it. For the joy, I lost everything. I have lost all things. I consider them, listen, I consider them what? Garbage. That I may gain Christ. I consider them what? Garbage. I want you to quickly, very quickly, imagine, just close your eyes. Five seconds. This will take you five seconds. Just close your eyes. Imagine all the dreams you have. Everything you want to achieve in life. All the money you want to earn. All, all the things you want for your family. Um, imagine the perfect ideal scenario that you think, oh, when that happens, I would have arrived. Just picture it right now, whether it's that house, whether it's that, um, name it, whatever it might be. Everything, imagine it. 
Now look at me. It's garbage. It's garbage. When you see Jesus, <laughs> that, what you've just imagined, that's garbage. It doesn't even compare. And that's what Paul is saying. I consider everything garbage. And I'm going to read you this verse. I'll just read it to you. I have no time to go into it. It's, it's, it's what I would call one of my life verses. You know, when Jesus starts his ministry, he opens up his ministry by, by going to a chapter in Isaiah. He finds himself in the scriptures, right? I don't know whether you've ever tried to find yourself in the Bible. But there's certain verses I have. When I look, read them, I find myself. It's like, that's me. That's me. One of my life verses is actually Philippians 3.10. When I turned 30, a lot of people who loved me and bought me an iPad. And on the back of the inscription of that iPad was Philippians 3.10. It's one of my life verses. And this is what Philippians 3.10 says. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version, which is simply a version that looks at the original Greek and Hebrew and squeezes all the juice out of it so that we can get a better understanding in English. And it says this, for my determined purpose, this is still Paul speaking, my determined purpose, it's personal, has nothing to do with anybody else. This is my determined purpose. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, speaking about Jesus, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I love the way he puts that. Understanding the wonders of his person. Do you know Jesus is not 2D? He's not just 3D. He is reading the matrix. When you see Jesus, everything changes. It's like the wonders of his person. When you see him, everything else loses meaning. And this is why the Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. Why? Because once you taste, there's nothing else that will satisfy you. And this is what John Pete was talking about when he found Jesus yesterday. When he found Jesus, he, thought he forgot about everything. And this is my experience. When I found Jesus, everything lost meaning other than Jesus. The treasure. There is a treasure. And when you see the treasure that is Christ, you will sell everything in joy. It won't be even a cycle. You will say, nah, 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 nah. where do I sign? And I don't know where you are today because we're in a field. Some of us are here because we already bought the field. Some of us are here because we're exploring the field, trying to see whether there's something to this. And some of us bought the field because of hype, but we never really found the treasure. And with those three things, I would like for us to do business with God. Can we all stand up? <laughs> I want everyone just to close their eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask yourself this question. If you can just lift up your hands. This is just a posture of receiving, a posture of being open. And the reason I ask you to close your eyes is not, not because of any magic. It's just to help you, give you focus. If you're, you're better off with your eyes open, feel free to open them. If you focus better with your eyes open. But... Closing your eyes, opening your hands is just about focus. It's just to give you an ability to just focus in on Jesus and focus in on what has been said. And I want to ask you a few questions. 
Is Jesus worth losing everything for in your life? Is he worth everything? And would you lose everything in joy? And if the answer to that is no, then there's a beautiful opportunity for the kingdom and the treasure of the kingdom to be open to your eyes in this moment. The next question I have is, have you become more occupied with the field rather than the treasure that is Jesus? Maybe you found the treasure, but the field has occupied you more than the treasure itself. And you find yourself focusing on all the doings of mere Christianity rather than the experiencing the treasure that is him. And the last question I want to ask you is, do you want the wonder of the kingdom? Do you want the miracle of truly seeing the treasure? And if any of those are a yes and you want to respond to any of this, I'm going to ask you to be brave and to come out here to front. And we're just going to wait on the Lord and maybe somebody from the worship team can just jump on an instrument. And I just want, I want you, if you're responding to any of those three questions, just to come out to the front. And we're just going to wait on God. And if I could, I'll probably be standing at the front because even though I've seen the treasure, sometimes I, I go through moments in life where I'm just like, God, I want to get another glimpse of you in a fresh way. And so if that is you, if that is you, if you want to be willing to lose everything for the sake of Jesus, if you've become more occupied with the field rather than seeing Jesus, or if you want to see the wonder of the kingdom afresh, then feel free just to come to the front and we're going to do business with God. I'm just going to give a moment to wait for people to come to the front. And as we're coming to the front, I'm praying for a miracle. And as you just do, just focus your eyes on Jesus. But I'm praying for a miracle of the breakthrough of God's treasure in your life. And for all of us are coming for different reasons. We're at different points and that's okay. But there is a treasure. There is a treasure. And it's worth losing everything for. And even those who are still in their seats, you can, you can respond right there as well. But if you feel you need to come to the front, come to the front. And I want all of us just to focus on Jesus. Can we sing that song, Your Name is Like Honey? Let's just focus on Jesus. Spirit. 
we ask for the miracle of the treasure that we may see you in a fresh way sing that again but I just want to say this I wanted to get the prayer team to come out but today I felt the Lord say in my spirit don't get the prayer team to come out for this reason he says I'm going to minister to everyone myself not to say he doesn't usually but I just sense that Jesus is literally going to stand next to you right now and he himself is going to minister to you so for all of you whether you're still in the congregation whether you're at the front just close your eyes focus on the Lord and the Lord himself is going to begin to minister to you himself and just sing your own song right now to the Lord I can see the Lord unveiling this treasure right now to some of you right here He's worth it. He's worth it. Yes, he's worth it. That thing that you thought was it, he's worth it. He's worth your career. He's worth it. He's worth everything you've dreamt. He's worth it.
I don't want to spoil what's happening now, but if you, if you maybe have a child, you need to go, but feel free to go on. Um, um, the service has officially ended. The blessing of God be upon you. I don't want those who are at the front to rush around.